Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. Good morning. Oh, what a nice warm day to get together. You know, after the past two days, this is absolutely delightful. Amazing. Our scripture reading today comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, the 11th chapter, beginning with verse number 5. Listen once again to the Word of God. Jesus said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. How many of you remember the theological film Animal House? <laughs> Do you remember that movie? You remember the food fight in the cafeteria? Rod got it. Do you remember the chant? What did they chant? Toe, oh gosh, really? Toga, toga, toga. Do you remember the horse? The poor unsuspecting beast that dropped dead in Dean Wormer's office? It's a wonderful movie. Uh, for those of you not familiar with it, it follows the antics of a fun-natured, loving fraternity. After informing Delta House that they have been on double secret probation, Dean Warmer tells them that he is closing them down, shutting them out. They are finished, expelled, over with. He's kicking them off campus. The Deltas are left feeling defeated and deflated. Do any of you remember who then takes the floor? Bluto! Thank you, Bill. The character played by John Belushi. He stands up. He yells, over? Did you say over? Patriotic music begins to play in the background. And then he shouts, nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? One of the Deltas turns to his fraternity brother and says, uh, Germans? And the fraternity brother says, forget it. He's on a roll. I love that line. He's on a roll. Now, there might not be many similarities between Jesus and Bluto. But this is one thing they have in common. When they are on a roll, they really know how to challenge 
and inspire people to do stuff they'd never, ever imagined. Is Jesus on a roll this morning? You tell me. Lord, one of the disciples says, uh, teach us how to pray. Jesus then teaches them what we now call the Lord's Prayer. And the disciples sit there with sort of a confused, dumbfounded look on their faces. And so Jesus tells them this vignette. Imagine, Jesus suggests, imagine that you've been in bed for hours, you're sound asleep, but there's a knock at the door. And when you answer it, you see your brother George there, your fraternity brother George. George, your best friend that you have not seen in many, many years. George, who shows up at midnight. George, and you're so glad to see George. You open up your arms, you wrap your arms around him, you kiss him on the cheek, you invite him into your house. It's a wonderful reunion. You say, wait a minute, let me go get you something to eat and drink, and you go to the pantry, but just as you turn around, you remember, oh no, I don't have any bread. What are you going to do? Jesus says that this fella races across the street to his neighbor's house, and he knocks on the door. It's midnight. It's midnight, but he knocks on the door. He knows that he's going to be a nuisance. He knows that he's going to cause a ruckus. He knows that his neighbor's family is all asleep. He knows that the entire village has settled down for the night, but he goes and he knocks on his neighbor's door anyway. And he knocks and he knocks and he knocks. Nothing. He knocks and knocks and knocks again, and finally he hears a voice. Go away, we're asleep. The children are in bed with me. Get out of here. What are you going to do in that moment? He continues to knock and knock and knock and knock. And finally, the neighbor comes down. He's a bit of a grump anyway. He opens up the door. He's not glad to see you. And he stuffs a couple of bagels in your hand. And he says, get out of here and leave me alone. Jesus then says, ask and it will be given to you. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks the door will be opened. Jesus is telling us how to pray and how to live and how to serve as his disciples. He's telling us, be bold. That's what's important. That's part of the challenge of this text. Be bold in what you ask for from God. Dream big, not small. Aim high, not low. Be brazen. Be brash. Be bold in your prayers before God, and God will grant you your petition. And when it comes to your ministry, because Jesus is talking not just about praying to God, but serving God, Jesus is telling us, raise your expectations about what God is doing in your midst. Push yourself and stretch your imaginations. Embrace opportunities and challenges that will demand more of you, not less of you, more of your compassion, more of your creativity, more of your generosity. And if you get discouraged, if you get worn down, just keep at it. Ask and ask and ask again, and God will grant you your petition. Be bold, Jesus is saying. Be bold, daring, and courageous in your ministry. That's part of what Jesus is saying. That's part of it, and typically at this point, most ministers would say amen and sit down. 
And it's easy, so easy to forget a nuance in this text. Remember, Jesus is on a roll and he's trying to help us to understand how to follow and serve and love and pray with abandon. At the end of the story, Jesus says, because of his persistence, the neighbor will get up and give him whatever he asks. Persistence, however, is better translated in this text as shamelessness. The New Testament scholar Sharon Ringe in her study of the passage notes that this shifts the meaning of the passage. The focus of the story no longer falls on boldness or perseverance. It now falls on risk and vulnerability. Now, if you find this very, very confusing, please keep in mind that Jesus' society was a very shame-bound society. It was a culture that prized and prioritized honor above all things. Whatever you do in life, whenever you go out in public, never, ever act in such a way that you might tarnish your family name. Never, ever do anything that might stain your family's reputation. Don't ever show out. Don't breach etiquette. And whatever you do, never, ever discredit your family. But what does this man do? He makes a spectacle of himself. He races out of his home at midnight. He goes to his neighbor's house and he creates a commotion. He causes a ruckus. It's a small village. He wakes everyone up. He knocks and knocks and knocks and knocks and knocks. Now, how many of you would feel comfortable in an effort to show hospitality and to embrace another child of God? Leave your apartment at 1 a.m. and go to another apartment and knock loudly and knock and knock and knock knowing full well that you would be waking up some of your neighbors. How many of you, after hearing your neighbor yell, go away, we are asleep, how many of you would then continue to knock, knowing, knowing that your neighbors would soon start whispering about you, gossiping about you, complaining about you, deriding your reputation. The fella in Jesus' vignette keeps pounding on the door and he jars everyone from their slumber. Do you see what he's doing? He's sacrificing his own honor. He's putting at risk his own reputation. He is willing to endure the disdainful stares and the spiteful gossip of his loved ones to show hospitality to another human being. Sharon Ranch goes on to say, the story suggests that the key to getting a response is being willing to set aside one's own prestige and security in pursuit of our request. Jesus, just like Bluto, 
is on a roll. And he's issuing us a series of challenges, and they go like this. Are you willing to listen and care for the unexpected people in unexpected places whose hearts are weighed down by grief or loneliness or despair? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to sacrifice your good name to show hospitality to the wrong kind of people? Are we, are you willing to bang on doors, both the doors of City Hall and doors of corporate America? Are we willing to bang on doors and stir up a commotion and cause a ruckus to see to it that the hungry are fed and the thirsty are given drink and the sick are given care and the elderly are visited and the homeless are provided shelter? Are we willing to bang on enough doors that our society would end the practice of redlining and discrimination Practices designed to keep some people in and other people out, some people up and other people down. Are you willing to sacrifice your name, your reputation, in the pursuit of justice, in the pursuit of following Jesus, or, or are we... Are we more... Con concerned about our own reputation and our standing in the community or what people are going to think? Are, are we more worried about our family name than we are about Jesus' name? Shameless. The man in the story this morning is absolutely shameless. He risked his honor. He risked his reputation. He risked his social standing to embrace another and show hospitality. Uh, choir? Uh, uh, does he remind you of anyone? Does he remind you of anyone? Who, who was it? Who was it that spoke to women in public at a time when that was absolutely shameless? Who did that? Jesus. Who was it that was willing to talk to and touch lepers and a day and time when the law dictated that they be shunned and ostracized. Who was willing to do that? Jesus. Who was willing to go against what his neighbors thought, to sit down at table with the tax collectors who conspired with Rome to cheat all of Jesus' friends? Who said, I don't care, I'm going to sit down with dinner, to dinner with him anyway? Who did that? Jesus. And who was willing to climb up on a cross and die the most shameful death of all to be with us in our shame and in our death? Who did that? Jesus. Jesus was willing to do that for me and for you. Jesus is willing to endure any shame any scrutiny, any criticism, any abuse, any torture, any death to be with us. Shameless. Jesus is um, absolutely shameless in his love for us. Shameless. Maybe some of you do this. 
Do any of you on your refrigerator keep pictures of friends and their children? For many, many years, Deb and I kept pictures of our friends and our friends' children on our refrigerator, and one picture was of Corey, a beautiful little girl. Corey was born into a very cold and cruel world. She was a crack baby. And when she was born, her mother could not take care of her or her twin sister. And so her twin sister went to live with the grandmother, and Corey went to live with John and Terry. John and Terry were members of my wife's church in South Carolina. They could not have children of their own, and for many, many years, they served as foster parents to children in need. And so for two and a half years, they loved Corey. They embraced Corey. They enveloped Corey with all of their joy and warmth and kindness. Now, how to put it? That particular congregation was very, very traditional and very, very conservative and very, very chilly. They were not what you would call a, a very friendly congregation. And yet, this rather chilly, unfriendly congregation, do you know what they did? They embraced Corey. They changed her diaper in the nursery. They read stories to her in Sunday school. They played with her at vacation Bible school. And after two and a half years, John and Terry said, let's adopt Corey. And so they proceeded with the paperwork to adopt this little girl and embrace her as their very own. And they filed their paperwork and the state of South Carolina said, no, you cannot do that. And you know why, don't you? John and Terry were white, Corey was black. And my home state said, no, you cannot do that. Months passed. Hearings were held. The national media was involved. Experts were called in to testify. The state did everything they could to discredit the character of John and Terry, and yet John and Terry persisted. They exhausted their savings to put themselves at great financial risk, and yet John and Terry persisted. That church that could be so unfriendly, that church that had embraced Corey as one of their own, that church continued to pray and pray and pray, holding Corey and John and Terry in their hearts the whole time. And finally, finally the day came when the judge laid down his decision, and he allowed John and Terry, to adopt that beautiful little baby, Corey. Deb and I were talking about her just a couple of weeks ago, and so I got online, got on Facebook, and I looked her up, and, oh, she's in her early 30s now, and she's doing so well. And we found out that Terry, unfortunately, has died, but John is doing well, and she's, she's thriving. And, but had she gone back into that cold and cruel world, do you know what would have happened? And so as you can imagine, John and Terry and that church celebrated. They were so happy, they rejoiced. A few weeks after the judgment came down, Deb climbed into the pulpit of that congregation. She preached the sermon, and after the sermon, she scooped up a handful of water and poured it on Corey's head and said, Corey, I baptized you in the name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And behind the last pew in the church that day was a camera crew from CNN. 
and the whole country later got to see and experience this couple's shameless love for this little girl. And they saw and they experienced this congregation's shameless embrace of this child of God. The Apostle Paul, as we read in our call to worship this morning, says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to all who believe. My friends, you trust those words. You believe those words. You live those words. And when you go out into the world to love with shameless abandon, guess what? You, you might find yourself on a roll. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you that in the baptismal waters of love, you embrace us. Help us to love you with shameless abandon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.